Father, we do sing of your greatness this morning. God, you're not great because we say you're great. You're great because you are great. And truth has revealed, Father, truth revealed is that you are great and that you are awesome, Father. Lord, I, I pray that you do a great work, continue to do a great work, Father. I pray that we would just continue on and, God, a spirit of worship, God, as we open up your book. And, God, this morning we pray that you would, you would meet with us. And, Father, I'm thankful that you're here and that your presence is very real, tangible even, Father. Lord, I, I pray that you would speak. and God, I pray that the great men and women in front of me, Father, would not see me, not hear me, Father. I, I pray that you would use me as an instrument this morning. and God, that your word would come through clear. Lord, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me tell you, as a, as a man who is um, not ashamed and... Um, not unwilling to admit um, that there are a lot of abilities um, that I don't have in life. I, I talk about them often. I talk about things uh, around the house and drills and tools. And, you know, it's just amazing that sometimes you're, uh, you, you gravitate towards things that you're not good around the house. I don't know if, if you do that and then you, you blow things up and it costs more money, but um, really, as a man who's un, unwilling to be um, shy about those things, I'm not. I, I admit that there's many areas where I don't have abilities. I, I think that's why this particular message this morning is, is particularly uh, meaningful to me, and you'll see why. You see, it's a, it's a personal gift to me when men and women who have gifts and have abilities that I don't have. It's a personal gift to me when men and women bestow those gifts and give those gifts where I have lack. When I have a lack and someone else has a gift and someone else has an ability, when they come through in my lack, I'm extremely uh, thankful to the Lord and um, just really overwhelmed. And you, you know what I mean, I think, especially when someone's doing it from a, from a joyful heart. For example, um, my wife has so many more abilities than I have. My wife has so many more talents than I have. And in order to not share with you an entire book, which I may write one day, but um, in order to just share with you a couple, I, I jotted a couple down so that I would, I would stick to a, a short list because I could give you a long list, okay? Come up to me after the service and I'll give you the long list. Um, but just a couple of gifts where I have lack Here's my wife. My wife is gifted with time management skills. I don't know if time management skills are going to plague me all the way to the end of my life, but when I see people, I run towards them, and everything else falls away. I struggle with time management skills. I don't know if anybody else in the room does, but if you're with me, you know what I'm talking about. It's a struggle. It's hard for me. It's an area in life where my wife is gifted. I can sit down with her and talk about my day, and I can talk about the use of my time, and my sweet heart can say, well, well you know, Blake, if you did this or you did this a little bit different, you, wow, you would have it opened up so much more time. And I say, wow, I never, I never even saw that. And I mean, I, it's just a, it's an ongoing struggle for me. It's, it's a gift where I have a lack. My wife is gifted in seeing outside of the box, 
If there's something extremely creative outside of the box, I mean, my wife can think of it. I mean, sometimes I don't like to think that I think inside of a box, but I often do. And I'll have conversations with my wife about ministry, about church, and a whole bunch of, you know, obviously other areas of life. And she can see so far outside of the box that I just, I can't see it. And she'll come up with an idea in a staff meeting or some other you know meeting when we get away. And she'll have some kind of idea. She doesn't even care who gets the credit for the idea, but my wife, she can see outside the box when I can't. She has a gift where I have a lack. My wife is gifted in seeing her freedom and her genuineness in her relationship with the Lord Jesus. This is actually one of the things that first attracted me to my wife when we first met. Again, I I am. I I do struggle with sometimes seeing outside of the box, and my extreme personality at times can be a struggle in my relationship with the Lord because there's been times in my life, especially when I was in Bible college, and, you know, I'm just taking in so much truth, you know, and you don't even have time to get that much out of you, and there's just so much truth coming in, just pumping in your veins, just so much truth, so much truth. I mean, there was a a point in my life in Bible college where I I was trying to read the Bible like four and five times a year, and, you know, I was just all these Bible plans, and it was almost like I equated that my relationship with the Lord Jesus, that the time had to continue to expand, which in some ways it it should. Your time with the Lord should grow a little bit as you grow, but it doesn't mean that exponentially that my entire day is going to be just with Jesus, even though it can be in prayer, but my quiet time, sometimes I, I would get a little bit legalistic about certain things that were happening in my relationship with the Lord, and when I started having conversations with my wife, she started talking about the heart. <laughs> and she started talking about things that just really, you know, it exposed me. And I, and I remember um, just being still and am continued to be encouraged by her genuineness and her freedom and uh, her relationship with the Lord Jesus. Another area where my wife has a gift and I have a lack is when she reads Scripture, she reads Scripture with a deep desire for application deep desire for application. What does this mean for tomorrow? What does this mean for the next hour? What is this? What do we do with this, Blake? And we have devotions together every night and, you know, we'll, you know, we talk about things and, you know, what do we do with this? My wife is extremely gifted in that area, seeing application where maybe many others of us would not see it. My wife is gifted with the ability to see and think through what's happening behind someone's words. My wife has an extreme amount of discernment. She can be talking with someone and I only hear what they're saying, right? Maybe, maybe you're like that too or maybe you're discerning like my wife. And I, I only hear words and I take in words and my wife can see um, behind those words with, with great wisdom and, and discernment and really understand many times what's going on inside someone's heart. My wife has a gift where I have a lack. She sees the importance of listening before speaking. I struggle there many times. She has a great gift of listening before speaking. My wife has a great gift in organizational skills. She does. She can organize anything. All right? And I ain't just talking about the closet with containers and, you know, she can do all that stuff, but just talking about every different area of life. My wife is extremely uh, gifted with the gift of organizing and, and looking at different things and items. And my wife is extremely gifted with counseling skills. 
And I just watch her sometimes when she's talking with someone and allowing someone to pour out their heart to her. And she can really, uh, God uses her to really get to the heart of what's really going on. And I'll be asking questions and end up in the middle of, out, you know, in the middle of you know, left field. And my wife can ask questions and really God's gifted her in that way of, of being able to counsel. My wife is awesome. <laughs> I obviously think so. Um, but my wife... See, none of those gifts I possess like she possesses. I have fragments of them. I'm growing in some of them. But those are areas where my wife has a gift and I have a lack. Her gift in those areas are a gift to me. Her, her gifts in those areas are a gift to my family. Her gifts in those areas are a gift to this church. And without those gifts offered, my family suffers, I suffer, and our church suffers. Many, many people in my life have gifts and abilities that I don't have. And it is an amazing thing when I come up lacking and someone comes up and they're gifting and they're giving what they have. Probably all of us in the room would say that there's certain things that you've got that you, if you're really honest, okay, this does take honesty. If you're really honest, you would say, wow, I do not have that gift. I do not have that ability. And isn't it amazing when you are lacking, someone is gifting. These people are different than us, and it's a good thing. They're different. They've got a God-given gift that you maybe wish you had, that you don't have, but all in turn, God's able to use that and do great and extraordinary things. Because see, the Lord made us the way that we are. There's areas where we've got skills, and there's areas where we've got gifts, there's areas where we've got abilities, and they need to be sharpened. And they can be sharpened, and they should be sharpened. But all at the same time, God has pointedly given each of us gifts to show us that we need each other. Now this morning, we're going we're gonna to talk about a B command that shows how all of this works together. So if you've got a Bible, please go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures in front of you, there's a copy in front of you in the pew. It's 1,000, 1,078 if you're flipping there. 1 Peter chapter 4. So the B commands from 1 Peter 4, 7, all the way down to 11, just a quick review. Um, this morning we're going we're gonna to end on our last one, but just a quick review as we're getting towards the end of this series. Uh, one of the ones that we began with that we talked about was, was to be ready for the end. To be ready for the end. At any moment, your time could be up. And if you live like every single minute, every single hour could be your last hour, you live different, right? We talked about how you live, you would take risk of obedience quicker than you would if you thought that you had several more years to go. You'd speak about Jesus more freely if you thought your time could be up at any minute. You'd probably think differently and care less about your stuff that you got piled up. The next thing we talked about is to, to be sober-minded, to be sober-minded, there are so many different things in culture and through media that intoxicate our minds, that keep us from thinking straight. And in these scriptures, in these verses, Peter talks about the importance of being able to have self-control, but you can't have self-control until you're learning how to be sober-minded, and you can't have self-control unless you're, be you see how they, they tie together. And Romans 12 too, tells us how to do that with scripture, transforming and renewing our minds. 
The next area we talked about was to be loving. When we love people, we offer truth, right? Sometimes we offer hard truth. But y'all listen, if we're honest, every single hill is not worth dying on. I mean, I know that we've all got different hills and we think, boy, this one's the most important in the conversation. I'm really passionate about this one and I really need to tell them about this one and this one is a hill worth dying on. But listen, if every single hill that comes up in your relationship with another person is a hill worth dying on, you need to calculate some things because that relationship probably won't last very long. Every hill is not worth dying on. And we talked about particularly from these verses, we talked about how love covers a multitude of sins. And if you've got a relationship that's healthy with another person, it involves truth, absolutely. But it involves a lot more love, probably, than it involves truth. A lot more loving than truthing is what makes a relationship close and tight and long-lasting. And Peter says that love covers a multitude of sins because he knew a, a multitude of sins had been covered for him. And last week, we talked about a specific example of how to love. The specific example of how to love, maybe you've had opportunities to do it this past week, is to be hospitable. To be hospitable. Maybe even to be a hospital, you know, wherever you're at. And what does that look like? It looks like unexpected ministry with unexpected people. Happens all the time. And if you're looking for opportunities to be hospitable, most likely you've had divine appointments all week long. Because most of the time, there are divine appointments. There are people coming in front of us that God has placed in the moment. They need you to speak. They need you to pray. They need you to be present. And if you're looking for divine opportunities to be hospitable, the Lord is all so faithful to provide them for us. Now, there are a lot more. I I just go ahead and tell you, there's a lot more be commands, who we need to be and be becoming as a follower of Jesus. They're all over Scripture. If you get a you know, concordance, and you look up B, I mean, you can find B commands all throughout Scripture. So maybe at some point in the future, we'll come back and we'll revisit some other ones, but we're going we're gonna to camp out this morning on a, on a last one in this series, and then we'll, we'll move elsewhere. So for the last B command of our series, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. The B command for today, I'll put it on the screen for you. It's simple, it's easy to say. It's to be serving. To be serving. And and Peter says right here in Scripture, Peter says that we need to be serving one another. What am I supposed to serve up? Soup? What am I supposed to serve up? Words? What am I supposed to serve up? Love? Am I supposed to serve up care? Am I supposed to serve up songs? Am I supposed to serve up money? Serve up love? Serve up hospitality? Serve up caring? What am I supposed to serve? You can serve with any and all of those things, but the Lord specifically masters in personal specialization of giftedness. Peter says very clearly in these verses that we're supposed to serve up our gifts. Serve them up. Serve them up hot. For each of us, this involves personal experimentation. It involves personal discovery to kind of figure out what your gifts are. If I could explain, probably as you grew up, you probably grew up a little bit like I did, and you grew up figuring out that you were good at certain things and you weren't good at other things. There were some of us that quickly found out that athletics were not for us. Maybe you didn't find out until you were in the cruel world of, of middle school and you know, maybe you tried out for that team and you go look at the list and your name's not on the list. 
Maybe there was some area, maybe it was elementary, maybe it was when you first started school and you're playing kickball and you know those cruel kids and you can still remember some of the comments that were made out on the playground. You can still remember that other people were telling you that you were not good at something athletically. Maybe there's other things that you would say, boy, yeah, Blake, I, I remember, I, you know, I really thought that I was, I was good at that, but then in turn I found out that I wasn't. You know, another area that maybe you found out over time is maybe that you were really gifted intellectually. Maybe you just excelled in school. Maybe it was literature. Maybe it was English. Maybe it was math. And eventually you became a teacher of those subjects, and you just, boy, you just wanted to pass on, you know, and you became passionate about what you were good at. Maybe others of us in the room, you're good at, you know, maybe a musical instrument. And you used it in band, or you used it, you know, in some other way. And maybe even, you know, like David, you've used your, your talents and abilities. And Miss Rhonda, and Randy, Drew, and Toby, and Travis, and Drew, and so many. Like, maybe you've, you've had a gift, and you've realized you've had it. And you've been able to, to use it. And over time, you just kind of eventually began to see, hey, I think i got a gift in this area. And over time, most likely, you enjoy the area where you're gifted, because it's fun, right? It's fun for all of us. It's really, it's painful for us to be involved in something that we're not good at. It's not, it's not fun, right? Doesn't mean that everything's all cake if you're a part of something that you're passionate about, you're good at. It's difficult sometimes. But when a person begins following Christ, regardless of age, the same thing happens spiritually. Both your, your natural gifts and your spiritual gifts are given to you by the Lord in order to use in the lives of other people. Maybe this is what it looked like for you spiritually. Maybe you began to follow Jesus and you said, wow, I don't really, I don't really know so much about this whole following Jesus thing. And you, know, you found yourself, you stumbled in, maybe you got drug in and you got brought into it, maybe a church body. Maybe it was here at Mount Olive, maybe it was somewhere else. But as a young, budding follower of Jesus, you showed up. She's kind of looking around. There's a teacher here. There's a preacher there. There's somebody praying there. There's somebody doing me. And all of a sudden, you started to just look around. And you say, wow, there's people around here doing stuff. And if you stuck around long enough, you're like, wow, it's not just the things on Sunday. There's people that are painting. There's people that are doing flooring. There's people that love babies. There's people that love kids, and they love to teach kids. There's people who love to pressure wash. There's people who love to cut grass. There's people who love to volunteer for things. There's people who love to serve on teams. There's people who are really good with financial things and money things. There are people who are really good at all these things. And maybe over time as a follower of Jesus, you started looking, and you started watching, and you said, wow, there's activity here. And maybe you said, well, you know, it, maybe I thought it was just the sports team. I thought it was something at work, or I thought it was just something at school. And all of a sudden, maybe you started budding and, and thinking, well, maybe I need to find a place within a church body. And, and maybe you volunteered, or maybe you didn't maybe you get voluntold. I've heard that, that comment before. Maybe somehow you got brought into a circumstance where somebody loved you enough to say, hey, you're gifted here. Use it for the Lord Jesus. And in the moment, you said, boy, I don't have time for that. And they brought you in, and they loved you enough, and maybe they truthed and loved you enough to bring you in. And maybe you began to see a vivid demonstration of people who've been gifted and being able to bring their gifts together and now serve the Lord together with their gifts and abilities. Now, the next part of verse 10, it really describes the, the uniqueness of, of your particular gift combination. Peter writes this, second half of verse 10, serve one another as good stewards 
of God's varied grace. Now, God's saving grace is God's saving grace all day long. It's the same. There's no variety. Jesus Christ died on a cross so that you and I could have the gift of grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, because it is the gift of God, right? God's grace is God's saving grace all day long. But when Peter mentions varied grace, he's talking about the various different ways that grace is demonstrated by his children as they live out their gifts. See, every single follower of Jesus in the room has a diversity in their gift set. A diversity in things that God has gifted them ability-wise and and spiritual gift-wise. And God has specifically given you a variety of gifts as a follower of Jesus. Now, this part of the verse also tells us that responsibility comes with the personalized gift combination. Responsibility comes. And that's why there's the word steward. Now, the word steward, I'm sure you've heard it, you've mentioned it, you've heard it mentioned as a, as a committee, that's a good use of the term, but specifically, in these verses, a steward, we're to be good stewards of God's varied grace, is what it says. A steward is a, is a manager of the owner's treasure. Now, the, a difference of something that maybe you've seen in other places in life, they're not the owner of the treasure. They're just responsible for the owner's treasures. Now, a good steward, a really good steward, a really good employee, if you want to look at it that way, a really good employee says, wow, really, I love my owner and I care about my owner. Maybe you wouldn't go so far as saying that about your boss. I mean, maybe you would. But if you really care about your owner or if you really care about your job and keeping it, you do with your owners or your your employer, you do with their treasures according to the owner's desires. That's what a steward does. A steward uses the owner's treasures for the sake of the owner's desires. Now, a a bad steward knows the owner's desires, absolutely, and they know their own gifts and they know their own abilities, and a bad steward says, oh, I get it. I know that they're your treasures, but I'm going to do what I want to with them. But a good steward knows the owner's desires and carries them out. Fellow believer, fellow believer, You've been saved by the gift of God's grace. And then in turn, you've been gifted by God's grace with abilities and talents and passions. You've been graced with gifts, every single follower of Jesus. You've been graced with gifts that only you particularly have that exact mixture, just like your personality. Now, if you've, got a, if you've got a gift mix, okay, so if you could think with me for a second, if you've got a particular divinely appointed gift mix, and get this, God knew what he wanted you to do with that particular gift mix even before you were born. Isn't that amazing? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I mean, your, your gift mix, your combination of diversity in your gifts is so specific and so personal that God has divinely placed you on the earth to demonstrate and to serve other people with those gifts. Now, if it's that specific, now I just want you to think with me just for a second. What if you're not using those gifts? 
What if you were specifically designed to be able to meet a need right in front of you that God has wired you personality-wise, gift-wise? He has so wired you to meet this need in this moment. And what if you choose to be a bad steward with the owner's treasures? And the treasures I'm talking about are your gifts, the gifts that God's gifted you with. God thought you up before the world began, and he thought up how he could use you. Now, if you could just think with me when it happens and what it looks like when you are realizing, I've been put on the planet for this? You mean God thought about how to use me before I was born? Yes. You mean God gifted me? I thought I was weird. No, God gifted you this particular way when all of a sudden God's people began to be used as God created and gifted them. And they're able to work together. Wow. That's when amazing things happen. That's when there's lacking. And then all of a sudden there's gifting that comes in right in the nick of time. That's when there's moments in front of you that only you can meet the need. And when you meet it, it's a divine moment of God coming through with his giftings that only you've got. Now, why is all of this important? If you'd skip down a verse, uh, skip down the second half of verse 11. Why, why, do I, why do I give my gifts? Why should I serve with my gifts? Second half of verse 11. I do it with my gift in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You're to use your gift, your particular gift, to the very best of your ability. With all of your passion, all of your heart, with all of your might, use and hone in on your specific gift. And in whatever way you use your gift, use your gift to this end. For God's great name, not yours. So that God would be magnified, not you. So that people would remember God, not you. So that when God uses your gift, you can kind of get out of the way and say, wow, it's really cool that God came through in that moment. Wow, I had no idea that you needed that in this moment. All I can do is point back to the giver of the gift who sent me to be able to do this and serve you in this way. Now the challenge is this. The challenge is that you would find your gift. You'd find your gift. And and I ask this question, is there a particular place that you've served in the church or maybe you've served in a Bible study or maybe you've served among other people and you particularly found, wow, I was really used by God in that moment. And not only was I really used by God in that moment, I actually enjoyed it. I mean, I thought there was stuff in church that you're just supposed to like bear through, you know, you just got to do it for Jesus, you know, and people thought I was getting, you know, I'm getting another crown. Okay, I get it. I get it that it's not all, it's not all cake. It's not all wonder. But isn't it amazing when you're serving in the gift, you find such great joy, don't you? It's hard sometimes. Boy, passion drives us to serve sometimes when it's hard and we keep going and we put in hours and put in time and God continues to use you. And you can only say, wow, it was only God that would carry me through that moment. I had nothing. And that was the moment where God used you to the fullest. Find your gift. Your gift may be found as you serve. It's been true in my life. I, spiritual gift inventory test, you, you, should, you should take them. They're great. They're awesome. They can help you, but they're only as true as the test taker, okay? So if you think really highly of yourself, you're going to get done with the test, and you're going to find out you got all the gifts, okay? 
The best way to find your gift is just to serve. Just to jump into a place and say, I want to help. I'm here to help. Love Jesus. I want to help. Can you find a place for me? Yeah, absolutely. The best way to find your gift is to get into a place and begin to serve, and you'll start to find areas where you're gifted. And let me just tell you this. Don't ever underestimate the gift you've got. Because when you downplay the gift, ultimately, you downplay the giver. It's not your gift. You're just a steward of the gift. Don't make fun of. Don't put down your gift. God, the creator of everything, who we sing how great is our God. That God, he's the one who gave you the gift. Don't play the gift. Because when you do, you downplay the giver. When you find your gift, start serving with it. Start serving with it. There's a reason why we created the opportunity, all different opportunities there are to serve in Mount Olive. Listen, we get it. It's hard sometimes to find a role, and maybe you've come into Mount Olive, and you say, well, you know, it seems established. You know, it seems like people are already in spots. It seems like, it seems like I, don't, I don't know, I don't have a spot. There's a spot for everybody. Been coming for a couple of weeks. There's a spot for everybody to serve the Lord Jesus. At Mount That's why we created that sheet. If you didn't fill out that sheet, or maybe you've missed the last couple of weeks, please grab it. There, there's a team of people who are working, not just to fill names on a slate, but to try to help people find and get in spots where they're gifted, where they're passionate, where they enjoy serving. So I, boy, I encourage you, on that table right out there, there's a, you could do it before you left the room. It's super quick, and you could leave it back there. We'll get a hold of it, get it to the right people, and help you find different places to be able to serve the Lord Jesus. And take the little communication card and say, well, write on it and say, hey, somebody help me. Don't give up until you find a place to use your gift. Please hear me. Run Verlin down. Run myself down. Run David down. Run Haley down. Run somebody down until you find a place to use your gift. This is one of the reasons why you hear us as a staff and as a church talking through, talking through, talking through. What's the most important? What are the most important things that someone is, is healthy in following Jesus? What are the most healthy things that are present in their life? Well, well, you've heard us talk about them. Is that you're part of a group like this, the big group. It's like our pep rally is a group of believers in Jesus, isn't it? To kind of have a breath of fresh air before we go at the week, we go at the grind again. It's important for a believer to be a part of the big group. Scripture says in Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling together as a manner of some. It's important. We need each other. Another area that we've talked a lot about is being, being a part of some kind of small group where you know people, where people know you, where people know you've been gone, where people know things are not right. People, think, people know if you're reading your Bible or not, where people can check up on you and pray for you and care for you to be a part some, in some form or fashion, a part of a small group. That's the reason why we've done grow groups on Sunday nights. That's, why, that's the reason why Sunday school exists. It's really important. If you're healthy as a follower of Jesus, you've got people intertwined in your life. And this one, I think you can hear it coming through. This one is that third part. Being a part of some kind of, of ministry group. Being part of some way where you can say, well, I'm gifted in this and I want to give it to the Lord Jesus. He's given me some treasures and I want to be faithful with the treasures. I want to serve him. I want to be used. I want to see God do awesome and amazing things to take your treasures and to give them back to the owner and say, Lord, use them. I got this much and this is what I got and I just want to be used by you, God. Here's my treasures. I give them back to the owner and you give them back to the owner as you use them, 
as you engage in being a part of whatever ministry that looks like. Now, now find encouragement in this. The only requirement for a steward is being faithful with your gift. The only requirement for a steward... See, as an owner, you're, you're, boy, it's all on your back as an owner. And you know this if you are an owner of a company, right? It's all on your back. I mean, if it goes down, everybody else is going down, right, Tim? I mean, if, it all, if you're an owner, right, Berlin? I mean, it's on your back. It's something that you carry all the time. But you've got people that work in your business that were stewards. We're stewards of the owner's treasures. And boy, as an owner, you just hope that they're, they got your best interest at heart, right? And they're working hard, and I've heard these owners talk, okay? And you, you, that's, that's the, but see, as a steward, it's totally different. As a steward, you are dependent upon the owner to bring about the results that God desires. You're only required to be faithful with your gift. You're only required to use your treasure for the owner's desires. It's like this. Jesus told a parable. In the parable in Matthew 25, it went like this. There was a master, and the master was going to go on a long trip, and he had to be away. And he was going to be gone for a long time and need people to take care of things while he was gone. And he wanted things to be, you know, ship shape when he came back home. And so he gave, he gave some money uh, according to abilities. He gave money to several of those who worked for him. He gave, gave all the money out, divvied it all out, and then he left. He's gone for a long time. And when he came back, he came back to settle up accounts. And he wanted to see, hey, I gave out my treasures, all right? Let's sit down, let's meet. How did it go? You bust them up out there, right? You really bring it back. You doubled the return. And what did you do with it? You know, and he, he came back in as, a, as a, you know, a wise owner would do. Is he, he came and he, he had conversations with them. And you know how it goes, right? To those who were good stewards, looked him in the eyes and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. To hear that from the master who has gifted you the specific way he's gifted you. It's got to be the best thing that you could ever hear from the Lord Jesus outside of he loves you. That's pretty high up there, isn't it? But the next thing, well done. Well done, Drew. Well done, Miss Bonnie. Well done, Mr. Aaron. Well done, Miss Peggy. Well done, good and faithful servant, is spoken to those who are gifting where others are lacking. And where we're gifting We'll find the lack, and we'll find that God uses us to meet a need that we were designed and placed on the planet to use, and we're the only one who's got that particular mixture. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you so much for the the specific way that you have designed every single man or woman, boy or girl in the room. God, you have specifically, God, not even just made us in the way that we look. You've done that too. You've given us a specific thumbprint. You've given us a specific uh, eye, God. I mean, you've given us specific everything about us. But God, you've gone further. You've given us a specific personality. You've given us particular abilities. You've given us specific talents. And God, you gave them to us so that we could serve you with them and then in turn be serving one another. Lord, maybe if there's someone in the room this morning who says, well, Blake, I, I don't have a gift. I, I don't think I have a gift. And what you're saying this morning, I, boy, Blake, there's so many things outside of that picture. I, I, don't even, I don't even know what you're talking about serving with a gift. I don't know the giver. 
Father, if there's someone here this morning, God, I pray they'd block everything else else out. Everything else out, and that they would only remember the cross. That they would remember, first of all, that gift of grace. The gift of grace that was given by Jesus dying on a cross for us so that we could be saved. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, they've not received and taken the gift of grace. Father, I pray in these moments that they would call out to you, that they would talk to you, and God, that you would save them. Lord, if there's others in the room this morning that would say, wow, I didn't realize I'd been given so much. Lord, maybe there's some in the room this morning that have, that have downplayed the gift. God, I pray that you would remind us this morning, it's not about the particular gift. It's about who it came from. And Father, you desire for us to be a good steward with it. Father, maybe some of us have forgotten that, or maybe we felt like we aged out, or maybe we felt like I fell off the planet, or hadn't been apart for so long, or God, whatever different thing we may have in our mind, God, it's just another excuse, an excuse that would keep us from where we know we need to be with you. Lord, I pray that you'd provide great encouragement this morning about the gift, the particular gift you've given each of us this morning. And Lord, I pray that we would do everything in our power to find a way to use it and to be faithful with a gift so that, Lord Jesus, so that we could see you face to face and hear you say, well done. Lord, do your work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.